What's going on, guys? Welcome back to 10 Minutes Modern here on Anchor. Coming to you guys every single day, talking about the best game in the world, Matt Gathering. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, with our returning guest, Mr. Corey Burkhart, on the line. What's up, dude? Yo, man, what's going on? Dude, I am in the airport here in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, waiting for a flight. So if you guys hear, you know, loud stuff, that's what's going on. But I wanted to get you on the phone because I wanted to talk to you about this copy last SCG weekend and all of the copies of Aether Vial that showed up. I'm so excited. See, you're excited, but I think that you and I are excited for different reasons. Because I'm also okay. excited about it. I think this is awesome. <laughs> So guys, uh, I'm going to get into this with Corey right now. We're going to do this in two parts. Uh, we post these five minutes at a time so they don't cut off mysteriously like has happened in the past. So we'll do this. Uh, and then if you guys, you know, cut off, we'll get a part two. They'll post in a second. But remember, guys, this is Anchor and this is the Modern. Download the app. It's the best way to stay up to date. You know, Corey will be on here from time to time talking Modern. And uh, yeah, that's what's going on. So, so share with me why you were excited at the 16 copies of the Vile that popped so I think it finally shows like the shifting of the metagame in an eternal format. We don't really get to see those too often. Usually eternal formats, legacy, vintage, modern, uh, back when they had extended, extended, commander even, they're pretty slow to churn. People tend to fall into these habits of, I like my deck, I'm not going to change. Um, but I think what we're seeing here is people being willing to adapt and willing to change things. I mean, we have blue-green Merfolk, like, Merfolk Branch Walker, I think, is huge out of that deck, and basically every Merfolk in your deck's a bad draw after, uh, like, turn three, turn four, if it doesn't have, you know, basically Lord text on it, and then you also add an extra one-drop, which the deck has been desperately needing uh, in Kemenna Speaker. Then we go look at the variety of, like, human decks. I mean, not, not even just you know, what was it, 16, 17, 0, and 1 this weekend with humans from the 36 humans, 4 vials, 20 lands uh, deck. And we also, there was another human deck, I believe, in the top 64 that was like a collected company version. Um, well, so check it out. And then okay, a couple, couple things. Oh, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Finish your thought. No, go for it, man. You're good. All I was going to say was, you know, I, I think it's really interesting that you make that point because... I've said for quite some time now that, you know, Merfolk is a unique deck because it has this redundancy in its lord, and it takes really great advantage of the fact that Eternal and Infile works perfectly with the creatures in the deck to create this sort of mana advantage critical mass thing. But as I tried doing with my Superior Burning Cocoa deck that I was playing for so long, using Aether Vial and creatures below CMT that can still go wide, there's a lot of opportunity to do that outside of just Merfolk. And I've been saying forever that there's a lot of decks that should be trying to take advantage of that. So it is really interesting to see that the human deck goes absolutely full tilt, right? They they eschew any spells, any kind of one-for-one one type of stuff, and they literally end up just getting into a situation where it's like every one of my creatures is either going to be big or do something proactive when it hits the battlefield. And I have an engine in my deck that's going to make it so that sometimes I'm going to get two of those things in the first three turns that are going to have high impact. I think that's really fascinating because what it does is start to say, you know what, maybe we don't need to play these hyper-efficient one-drop and two-drop spells. We can just load up on creatures and overwhelm them. And I think that's a really cool direction to be modern go. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it sort of attacks a lot of the, the top decks from this angle of, you know, people are issuing copies of all of the you know, anger of the gods, the pre-verdict, damnation, you know, these sort of like Wrath of God style effect cards. 
they're just pushing down and down and down on the number of copies. And these extra like, well, no, you know, you want to try to play a one-for-one -one game against me, it's going to be really darn hard, given that they have Aether Vial, and they have an Aether Vial hand. It is really, really tough for you to keep up. Um, and, like, those are the kind of the decks that, like, when I sign up for a tournament and I'm putting Damnation in my sideboard, like, those are the decks I'm thinking about. Absolutely. So, so there's more to talk about in this top eight than just uh, Damnation. We're going we're gonna to cut off right now and come back to you guys in just one second with part two. So check out the station, Tendons of Modern on Anchor Board. We'll back part two in just one quick second. Talk to the best card. What's up, guys? We're back for part two of the Corey Burkhart interview here on this week's edition of 10 Minutes of Modern. Again, I'm coming to you live from the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania airport, so uh, bear with me <laughs> and don't get alarmed if you hear any kind of crazy talk back on the loudspeakers. Corey, thanks for coming back minutes later for part two. No worries, man. Glad to be back. Of course. So, so we uh, we covered the effect that Aetherviol seems to have had on Modern recently and, and how that card... By the way, you know that it's only still $41? I, I was kind of shocked after this weekend that I looked and it hadn't shot up to like 70 bucks. So I feel like you see 16 copies of that card in competitive top 8. Like that strikes me as the kind of thing that will spike this card to like $60, $70. See, it, it shocks me the card's even that expensive because I remember when we started playing Modern, you and I were playing TP2s together back in, what was it, 2013? And Ether like Vial yeah. was like a 10 or $12, dollar, you know, uncommon or whatever. Whatever even rarity it is. Like, hold on, I have to actually sit here and scroll over it. Okay, it was a rare one was reprinted, but I think it was an uncommon the first print. It was. It definitely was. Yeah, back in Bearded or Dark, Dark Sale, I think. Yeah, uh, and now we're talking about, oh, it's $40, and, you know, who knows, by next month it might be 50. I, I said forever that I thought Aether Vial and Isocron Scepter were two of the most shockingly underplayed cards. And then, you know, Aether Vial's not underplayed anymore. Scepter is just a difficult thing to do in this day and age when you have, you know, certain, certain hate cards that are out there, but I digress. So the rest of the cards that were in this top eight, just to cover really quickly, because I do think Modern's are a pretty interesting play. Two of the other decks we saw were Eldrazi Taxes and Death Taxes. We had a Blue-Green Merfolk, we had a Counters Company, we had a Gift Storm. Uh, maybe I'm forgetting one. Infect and Affinity. Oh, yeah, yeah, Infect and Affinity, exactly. And so, most of the lists were pretty stock. Um, you know, Infect knocked through. That's not really a deck that really gets to stay in the sun very often anymore. What do you make of Gift Storm now, consistently, one or two copies in most topics? Do you, is that just what you just have to expect going to this Pro Tour, that that's probably going to be the case? There'll be a lot of Storm players? Yeah, I, I unfortunately think so. It's, it's one of the decks at this point, it's just so consistent, and anybody that has put in, you know, 100, 150 matches with it uh, against a variety of different opponents, really fundamentally can understand what's going on and what are the moving pieces with the deck. And the deck's just a lot more resilient than it looks like on the surface. I mean, I think you and I touched on this last week on just how powerful gifts and past employees have to be together and how we sort of missed to this up until we finally got access to Brawl. And I think we're finally just seeing that, yeah, I, I think Blue Red Storm is the best deck in Modern. Like, it is the deck that, if you're going to a Modern tournament, expect to play against it once or twice. I mean, we're not talking like a standard tournament where you're going to fight, you know, Mono Red three or four times or Teamer three or four times. But, like, once or twice throughout a big tournament, I mean, be ready to play against a pretty competent, pretty solid Storm pilot. Because the deck is here to stay, and it's really good. 
Yeah, I get the feeling that the big reason humans are so successful is because that deck matches up pretty well in the sense that it's playing four copies of Kaitel Freebooter. And yep. if you can if you can be getting a clock and disrupting their hand at the same time, you're kind of a business. I think that's one of the major things that that deck does well. What decks in modern want to be doing right now is they want to be creating an effect and also getting a threat. Uh, there's not that many decks that are doing that as well uh, as a deck like humans right now. So last question for you here before we go. Part two is... I've been having a lot of conversations slash arguments last week about the power of Eldrazi Temple. It's one of the only soul lands that exists in modern and the impact of that deck, the Eldrazi Tron deck. And I have been saying for a little while, I don't think it's an impressive magic card, but I wouldn't be surprised if they ban Eldrazi Temple after the Pro Tour because they don't want those two very powerful 4 and 5 decks of Eldrazi to be that accessible to players in the early turn of the game because I think they'll still be played in decks anyway even if you don't play Temple. What do you think the fate of Eldrazi Temple is in the future? I think it's going to come down to how it performs at the Pro Tour itself. I think they made the correct ban in taking out Eye of Ugin, as it provided, you know, more than two mana on a number of turns. I think it's also, I mean, this is going to sound somewhat silly, but from the game design industry, it's difficult to ban a card that is pushing the sales of your standard legal card. Um, you know, Reality Smasher and Thought Nightmare have finally rotated out of standard, their prices have not dipped that much, but everything else around it certainly has, like Matter Reshapers going down, Reality Smasher still holding steady, and I think Thought Nuts here might still be like $15. But it's now that these cards have rotated out of standard, I would be more inclined to see a ban on that card if we saw, you know, six copies in the top eight of the modern Pro Tour in Bilbao, Spain in February. Do I think that's going to be 